It's just about to happen right now. Aren't you glad we can just come with the assurance that God is going to fight for us? And if we listen and we pay attention, we're going to hear something and we're going to be blessed. Amen. Brother Ben Weeks, thank you again for being with us. I want you to come and take your liberty in this pulpit. And if you're going to preach with the preacher today, everybody say amen. God bless you, Brother Weeks. Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's certainly an honor to be here this morning. Hallelujah. I appreciate the invitation to be a part of this service today. It certainly is our privilege. We read all of the great ministers down here. Great men of God. Preach this great truth. I love the apostolic ministry. Amen. Don't you love apostolic preaching? Don't you love apostolic preachers? Praise God. You may be seated for a moment. I love the ministry and I give honor to every apostolic preacher, pastor that is here today. And they are my heroes. I've not had to look out into the world uh, to find somebody to look up to. The greatest men in my life are men who have given themselves to the Word of God and the work of God. So I want to honor all of them uh, today. I'd like to say how much that uh, I enjoyed the ministry and received from the ministry of uh, Brother Marler last night. And he spoke to my soul. And I was looking for a confirmation. I was... I was uh, feeling two different messages. I don't know if any of you preachers have ever felt that. I'm sure you have. And uh, I was looking for a confirmation, grasping for a confirmation last night. Brother Marler confirmed both of them. And uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I was, I was looking. I was, I was looking for one particular one. The way he started out, I said, "Oh, I know what it's going to be." Then he got on repentance, and I was going to preach on repentance, and he got on that pretty hard. And I thought, "Well, maybe that's my confirmation." But I received so much uh, from the ministry of Brother Marler last night. I have admired him for many years. Read his his material and admired him from a distance. So good to get to be with him. And uh, great man of God. I appreciate him very much. And uh, also good to be here with Elder Haman. I don't believe I've ever gotten to be with him in a meeting like this. And uh, so good to be with him. Uh, several months ago, I got to read his book, Brother Spell. I don't know if he gets a commission on those books, but he sure does promote them. If he don't get a commission, he ought to, praise the Lord. Well, anyway. But uh, uh, Brother Spell said there's, there's three books in, in Pentecost that uh, you need to read one of them is Brother Haman's. I don't know if the Bible was in those other two or not, but anyway, uh, he highly recommended the book, and I read it, and I tell you what, it stirred me up. I, I, when I started reading it, when I started reading it, uh, I couldn't put it down. And uh, I'm not saying that because I'm here. I've said it before. And also, it stirred me up to teach on family life. So many, so many uh, good, so much good information and, and uh, so many nuggets of wisdom in that book and uh, Brother Haman I believe every time every time I used anything in the book I believe I cited my source I believe I did 
uh, I tried not to plagiarize. Brother Spell says that uh, plagiarism with footnotes is good research. And so uh, church thought I was doing some good research anyway. And so just good to be here. Uh, Pastor Heyman, I count you as a dear friend and appreciate you so very much. We just enjoyed being with Brother and Sister Heyman so very much. And good to be here with Brother Spell. He is my friend. I hope he's still my friend. Uh, yeah, he's waving at me back there, so uh, hopefully he's still my friend. He's been so kind to me uh, down through the years, kind to me when he didn't have to be. But that's the kind of gentleman that Brother Tim Spell is. And I appreciate him and uh, honor him highly today. Just good to be here. Just good to be here. Praise the Lord. First John chapter number 2. First John the second chapter. And uh, I will also be turning to the book of Proverbs chapter number 17. First John chapter 2. And then I will be turning to the book of Proverbs chapter number 17. If you will stand with me for the reading of the word uh, briefly. I don't have anything really profound or... Uh, Complicated, You know, I've I told a story several times. I don't think I told it here about a man that went and visited his uncle uh, in a mental ward. And, and they, were, they were given a test to the patients to see whether they should increase their medicine or decrease their medicine. And so he stepped in. They said, you can sit in on the test. There were three of them taking the test. And he said, uh, uh, they, they asked a question. They said, uh, uh, to the first one, what is five and five? And uh, he thought and he thought and he thought and he said, uh, uh, 157. And uh, so, well, we need to increase your medication. He said, uh, the next one, what's five and five? He said, uh, Thursday. They said, we definitely need to increase your medication. So they got to the third one and said, what's five and five? Happened to be this guy's uncle. He said, it's 10. And they just couldn't believe it. Said, how in the world did you come up with the right answer so quickly? He said, I just subtracted Thursday from 157, and there it was. <laughs> and so uh, you won't have to connect any dots or try to figure out anything complicated today. I just feel like I have something very practical in our daily walk with God and uh, living for the Lord. And so uh, I need the help of God today. Praise the Lord. First John chapter number 2, verse 15, very familiar to us. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And then turning back to Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. The eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. And then Proverbs chapter 30, just a few verses over. Verse number 15, Proverbs 30 and 15. The horse leech hath two daughters, crying, Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things. Say not, it is enough. The grave, 
and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. I want to talk today on the greener grass syndrome. The greener grass syndrome. Let's ask the Lord to bless this word. Father, we love you today. We're so blessed to be in this house, to be among your people, to hear your word once again. Bless, anoint, touch us. Help us, God, to receive from you. Help us to do your will. Let me somehow be a blessing in some way to your people today. And we will love you and praise you and give you all the glory and all the honor because you're the only one worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Brother Marler began to preach last night about having treasures and treating them like pebbles. And I really believe that we have the greatest treasure that has ever been given to mankind. Especially if we are raised around this truth, sometimes we take so much for granted. And we don't know how to appreciate what we have been given and what has been so, uh, so kindly handed down to us. You know, the prodigal son must have had life pretty good. He must have had life pretty good to go and to, to have a, uh, enough to go and to spend it all, waste it all on uh, riotous living. But he really did not realize how good that he had it. My little girl has a storybook that I've read to her uh, 2,312 times. And it's uh, by the Berenstein Bears. And it's a little story. In fact, she can read it herself. She can't read, but she can read that book. She knows exactly what's going on, and, and she can uh, read it as good as I can. But, but uh, it's a little story about the bears. They ran out of honey. And so Mama sends Papa and Baby Bear to the honey store. And Papa Bear gets the bright idea. They don't need to go to the honey store. He has a better way of getting honey, they're gonna go out to the wild and they're gonna find a bee tree and they're gonna rob that bee tree of its honey and that's the best kind of honey that you can have. And so obviously throughout the book he has never done this before. This is a harebrained idea that it seemed to be good at the time. And he decides to find the right tree and he's bragging to Little Bear about how they're gonna find it. They follow the bee that's buzzing uh, along the way and. And uh, finally they find a tree that looks like a bee tree and uh, he decides to uh, run his paw around in there and, and, and reach around in there and get the honey and, and uh, he didn't find the right tree. He gets his paw in the nest of an owl and uh, there is definitely trouble there. And so he goes on and, and they decide to find another one. And this time he uh, upsets a porcupine. And then the next time, he upsets a family of skunks looking for that just right honeybee tree. And finally, they find the tree that's, that's buzzing with activity. And they know this, this is the one. And so he tears off part of the tree. And he's never seen so much honey in all of his life. But at the same time that he's torn up the tree, the bees come swarming out of the top. 
and uh, they begin to chase Papa Bear and Little Bear. They have to dive into the water and, and stay there till the, bear, uh, till the bees are gone. And finally he decides he's created enough trouble that he's going to go back to the honey store and he's going to pay the price and get the honey and take it home to Mama. And, uh, you know, that's probably where all of us have been at some time or another in our lives. Sometimes we do not know how good that we have it until we lose what we have had. Amen. Sometimes we think we know the best way to do it, the best avenue to go. The Bible said that a fool's eyes are in the ends of the earth. I believe that some people look for reasons to be ungrateful. Some people look for reasons to, to be unhappy. Uh, some folks, they're not, uh, they're not happy until they're miserable. And they look hard for, for something to complain about. And, and uh, what uh, they have, whatever they have is dull. And uh, whatever someone else has is attractive. Amen. You ever, ever known somebody like that? You know, and, and there's always something wrong with what they drive. And there's always something wrong with what they live in. And it doesn't matter how nice it is. And it doesn't matter how God blessed them with it. They always find something wrong with it. Some reason not to be happy with the job that they have or the clothes that they wear. What they possess or the money that God has given to them or the pay raise on the job. And everybody else's situation is perfect. Man, the fool's eyes are in the ends of the earth. Yeah. You can get to looking at everybody else and see their blessings, but you don't see the price they paid to get it. Gotcha. You look at everybody else and see how God has given good things to them, but you don't know the sorrow and the trouble and the problems that they are going through at the same time that they're enjoying some good blessings. And you can get to looking around and thinking that everyone else's life is just right. And you're the only one that's got the trouble. The only one that's got the problems. And the only one that's down. And the only one that's wrestling with bitterness. And miss the many blessings that God has given to you. I'm not going to be profound today. Amen. We can go through life and never be happy and never be content and never enjoy God's blessings on us. Always wishing we had somebody else's looks and always wishing we had somebody else's talent. Always wishing we had somebody else's money and somebody else's connections and somebody else's friends, somebody else's brains and somebody else's grades and somebody else's car. When you ought to just stand there and take inventory of the blessings that God has given to you. Lord, you, you, you know, you really, life is so short, you really don't have time 
to waste wishing that things were different and wishing that things were better. You can make them better by changing your spirit and changing your prayer life and, 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 and changing your mind and changing your attitude. You can make them better. Ooh, praise the Lord. Well, there's a whole lot of things. Every one of us today, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you have a good job, or whether, whether you're, you're financially strained, uh, there's a whole lot of things about life you can't change. There's a lot of things that come to us we didn't ask for. Some things, they are consequences of our choices, but, but other things we didn't ask for. If you've got a sickness in your body, you didn't ask for that. If, if, uh, if, if your children have, uh, were, were born with some kind of sickness and problem, you didn't ask for that. Praise the Lord. There are some things we didn't ask for and we cannot change. But I'm telling you, griping about it won't help. A sour outlook won't help. Tearing others down. It's not going to help. And envy and jealousy is not going to help. And being worldly won't help. And backsliding won't help. You just got to take what God has given you and try to do the best you can with what God has invested in your life. Amen. We can be so upset with somebody else that don't have anything to do with our situations and circumstances. We can live life trying to prove something to somebody. I'll show them. You don't need to show them. You need to show him. People trying to prove something to somebody else. Hey, i tell you who you need to prove something to. You need to show him. You need to show him, yes, Lord, I'll live for you in spite of the circumstances. I, I, I've got confidence in you in spite of what happened to me. I have faith in you in spite of the sickness in my body or the lack of money in my bank account or what somebody else said about me. I still believe you and still trust in you, and I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him that though you slay me, if you come looking for me down a dark alley with a sword in your hand and run me into a corner intent with killing me. I'm still going to trust you. Hallelujah. Man, I'm going to show you, Lord, that I've got the courage to stand for what's right. Praise God. And things we can't change. We, if, you're, if you're born with, with, with brown hair, well, you can change it, but that's the way God made you. And you, you got freckles, that's the way God made you. You're short, you're tall, that's the way God made you. You can't sing, can't play music, no artistic ability. Your family don't have a lot of money. And you may be thinking all of these things are important to your success in life or that's what you got to have to get ahead or that's what you have to have to even be successful in living for God. You know, I've heard it. Uh, about all my life in Pentecost, well, you got to have the right name, and you know, you've got to be somebody, and you've got to be able to do this or, or that. Hey, I'm telling you, none of that is true. None of that is true. If you make up your mind, I am going to grow where I have been planted. I'm going to be thankful. I am going to do my best to keep my attitude and my spirit right. I refuse to get bitter about where God has placed me. And the limitations on my life, I'm going to do my best to do my best right here. If you'll be faithful with few things, God can make you ruler over many. But what happens is we gripe because we only have few things. 
<laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. If you've got the right attitude before God, you can go a long way in living for God. And you can go a long way in life. But if you've got the prodigal's attitude, you just give me what is mine. Give me what is mine. You'll probably end up in pig pen circumstances. Oh, praise God. Focusing on what I want and focusing on what I deserve and what I don't deserve and what I won't put up with. You know, we talk a lot about rights and, and very little about responsibility. But if you do not learn contentment and happiness and joy where you are, more money is not going to give that to you. More money will make you more of what you already are. If you're not kind to people, more money will make you a holy terror. If you don't learn how to be content and joyful where you are and, and, and learn how to have a relationship with God, finding a spouse is not going to solve all your problems. If you can't defeat insecurity where you are, all of these external things that we think is going to bring us internal happiness, it's not going to do the trick. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't, don't think that a spouse is going to be able to provide for you what you have not allowed God to provide for you. Or that money is going to provide for you what God has not been able to provide for you. Or that the right job at the right place, at, at the right uh, pay scale is going to give you exactly what you've been looking for all of this time. It's not going to do it. You've got to, there's always going to be limitations. There's always going to be things you don't have. There's always going to be adversity. There are always going to be problems. And you've got to learn to stand in the middle of that and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. Not a day that doesn't have any problems and not a day that everything is going right, but it's just that I've seen another day that the Lord has made and simply because the sun came up, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. It is a personal decision. Abraham Lincoln said a man will be just about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. Praise the Lord. Some folks have made up their mind. It don't matter what's preached. They're not going to be happy. It don't matter how nice people are to them. They're going to always think about what people could have done. Doesn't matter how the pastor goes out of his way. He, he, he really wasn't there for them when they needed him. And, well, I better stay off of that today. The Bible talks about in the book of Genesis that uh, Jacob's sons, they came back from Egypt where they had been there buying food at the time of famine and they, they broke the news there to their father that uh, one of the brothers uh, had to stay and that Benjamin, the youngest, was required to go to Egypt as proof that uh, the brothers were not a family of spies, they were not a part a family of spies and uh, Jacob he looks at the situation all he had done was sent his sons into Egypt to buy food to help them survive he's just trying to survive just trying to make it through these dry times and they come back with uh, worse news that 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 hey uh, not only is there a son in captivity in Egypt he's demanded that Benjamin uh, come on down to Egypt if he's gonna release any more food to us and uh, Jacob says what 
<laughs> Joseph is dead. You've taken Joseph away from me, and now Simeon is not. And, and, and here we are in a famine, and, and, and you're going to take Benjamin away from me. And, and all of these things are happening, and everything is terrible. And he says this, all these things are against me. Oh, all these things are against me. You ever had that attitude? You ever felt that way? Ever? Don't nobody like me. Everybody's on my case. I can't do anything right. Nothing goes my way. Well, maybe you never had that. Never had that feeling. Nobody approves of anything. All these things are against me. Pastor don't approve of anybody I date. That's the third time I've been called into the office this past two years. Can't do nothing right. And yet here Jacob was, unknown to him, he was in the best position of probably anybody else trying to survive the famine. All of his sons were alive, regardless of the lies that he believed. And uh, one of them was even prime minister of Egypt. And, and he didn't know it, but he was going to be taken care of royally for the rest of his days. And here he is with all of these blessings in his future and good things right around the corner that God had prepared for him. And he's looking at how bad he's got it right now and saying, all of these things are against me. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes you don't see what's going for you right where you are. Matter of fact, Jacob, Jacob found it hard to believe when the good news was told to him. When uh, Joseph sent a wagon train, no doubt there were, there, was, there were food and provisions in that wagon train. He sent wagons to, to fetch his father to bring him back to Egypt, invite him to come and live with him and enjoy his blessings. And, and they said, Joseph's alive. He didn't really believe it. But when the wagon started pulling up in the driveway... And, 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 and the wagons came along. He said, it is enough. <laughs> I'll go. I, I believe. God's got blessings for me. Look at all of these wagons. It, it is enough. He started looking at his blessings and saying, all right, I don't have to have another blessing to prove anything to me. It is enough. I'll be thankful where I am. I don't have to wait till I get to Egypt. I don't have to wait till I kiss Joseph. It is enough. When the wagons just start pulling in, I haven't completed my journey. I haven't gotten to where I'm going. And I'm not living in the nice house that I'm going to live in. But while the wagons have pulled up and I had not stepped inside yet, I'll say it is enough. I don't require any more blessings to say thank you. Whoo, Hallelujah. Amen. You know, some people, no matter how many wagons are in their front yard, they're always thinking they deserve more. Please don't think I'm being negative today. But, but it, you know, there's, there's attitudes that we deal with. It doesn't matter how many wagons pull up and how many promises are made. They always think they, they deserve more. A, a little more and they always see what they don't have they can move into a new house but so and so has got a bigger house so, well it wasn't really what we wanted and I, I, you know, I guess we'll just put up with it and they can't even remember the house they used to live in 
and, and the little cramped quarters that they felt like they were stuck in forever. But God blessed them. And that God really has given them more than they deserved. But they can't have joy in what God has just given them because they are looking at what somebody else has because somebody else has a bigger one and somebody else drives a nicer vehicle. Well, it, it ain't what really I want. Oh, praise God. And, and they get angry at somebody else that has more. And especially it, especially it gets them if... If it's somebody they already didn't like. Hallelujah. Which attitude do we have today? The attitude of all these things are against me. Or the attitude of it is enough. Which attitude do we have this morning? Are you complaining or are you praising? Are you thankful or hateful? Are you joyful or critical? Are you friendly or envious? A fool's eyes are in the ends of the earth. You know, I've seen people that didn't have much have the attitude of it's enough. God's been so good to me. And somebody else come walking in and they got plenty in their bank account and they got a nice job and they're calling the shots at, at the place where they work and they're living better than they've ever lived before and they're sitting there with a scowl on their face finding fault with just about everything that goes on it's always better somewhere else I could be so much happier if I've seen people sick with the attitude, God's been good enough to me. If he never heals me, I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to worship his name. And, and, and people well standing there saying, all these things are against me. Nobody here likes me. I just don't fit in around here. I've seen folks that were broke run the aisles and shout and praise God. It's enough. God's been good to me. I don't know how I'm going to make the bills this month, but oh, God's been better to me than he's been to anybody else. And folks that's got plenty of money in their pockets and all these things are against me. Somebody with no spouse shouting and praising God because nobody's ever loved them like Jesus loved them. And somebody with a spouse that they prayed for God to give them. They're pouting all service because they argued all the way to church. She's against me. Amen. Seen the brother that was laid off and he's worshiping God and he don't know what he's going to do and what kind of turn his life is going to take. But he's got the attitude of, it's enough, it's enough. God's been, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what God is going to do, what's going to happen next week. But it's enough. I'm going to just praise God right now where I am and just enjoy these blessings. And then there's somebody with a good job and their arms folded and their legs crossed and rolling their eyes waiting for the final discipline. Missile. I'm going to tell you something. God's been good to every one of us. If you got a job, if you don't have a job, if you got money, if you don't have money, if you're married or if you're not married, if you're sick or if you're well, I'm telling you, God's been good to every one of us. Hallelujah. The greener 
grass syndrome is that I can't stay within my boundaries happily. I can't live within my limitations content. There's something about offense that makes grass on the other side look greener. If there wasn't offense there, it wouldn't really matter. If there wasn't some boundaries and some barriers, it wouldn't even be tempted, tempting to go so far. But put a fence up, and it's human nature to want what's on the other side. There's something about boundaries that parents draw that makes rebellion want to test the line. You know, there's something about standards that a pastor sets that causes the devil to start squawking how unnecessary they are and how restrictive they are. You'd be better off if you didn't have somebody bossing you around, bossing every area of your life. Life would be so much more, so much more pleasant without parents looking over your shoulder and it'd be so much more peaceful without that preacher getting on the case and preaching like he does all the time you know fable, uh, Aesop had a fable about the wolves visiting the sheep and they, they sent an emissary to the sheep and said uh, look we've been adversaries for a long time and, and the problem is those sheep dogs those sheep dogs are always barking. They're incessantly bothering us. Anytime we come close to the flock, I mean the sheep dog starts barking, starts barking, starts barking, and gets on our nerves. And, 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 and the sheep dog is the cause for there to be enmity between the wolves and the sheep. So if you'll get rid of the sheep dogs that are always barking and always stirring up trouble, we'll leave you all alone. And we'll be friends. And so the little fable goes that the sheep, that sounded good to them. They said, hey, all these, these barking sheepdogs always uh, crying wolf. I tell you what, we'll get rid of the sheepdog. Y'all just go on. We don't need protection. We're going we're gonna to be friends. We're going to be friends with these wolves. <laughs> yeah, right. A sheep can never be friends with the wolf. You better hope there's always a voice lifted up anytime the wolf gets close and says, hey, warning, warning. We're going to sound the alarm because the wolf is on the fringes of the flock and somebody's going to be destroyed if there's not a voice lifted up. Hey, I'm going to tell you the preacher ain't your problem. Standards ain't your problem. Boundaries are not your problem. The fence is not your problem. I'm going to tell you who your problem is. Is the person that you look at in the mirror every day that wants to somehow get over that fence that chafes at the restrictions and, and that can't live with limitations. I'm going to tell you all of your life, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you have, you got to learn to live with limitations amen there, there are three truths number one I can't know everyone I, 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 brother Spell I can't be Sam Jones 
It can't be Sam Jones. He, he told us a story the other day about Sam Jones and Sam Jones. Everybody knew Sam Jones and Sam Jones knew everybody. And, and, and Sam Jones was at the barber shop one day. He said, you know, I was talking to the governor the other day. And the, the, the barber said, what? You know the governor? No way. He said, yeah, sure do. Man, we are tight. And he said, uh, talking along, said, I was talking to the president the other day. You know what he told me? He said, you know the president? He said, there ain't no way you know the president. He said, yeah, I'm telling you, we talk all the time. So uh, he said, uh, you know, when the pope was in town the other day, we, we, had, uh, we had lunch and we were talking. He said, now, now, I might believe you know the governor and you know the president, but you don't know the pope. He said, I'm telling you. He said, I'm traveling to Rome here in a couple of weeks, going to the Vatican. And said, uh, you, you ought to just come go with me. I'll prove it to you. And sure enough, they went. And they got there to the Vatican. And Sam Jones said, you, you stand right out here. I've, I've, I've got a little audience with the Pope. And before long, on the balcony, there they came walking out. And, and the Pope and his entourage, and who was right beside of him, it was old Sam Jones. And uh, so the, the fellow turned to the man beside him. He said, uh, he said, hey, he said, that guy in that, that little hat, he said, uh, and those long robes. Is that the Pope? He said, uh, let me see. He said, uh, you know, I don't know whether that's a Pope or not, but that guy standing right next to him, that, that's Sam Jones. And uh, <laughs> I can't know everybody. And so I have to be satisfied that God gave me a, a few friends and be thankful for who God gave to me. I, there's no way I can know everybody. So there are limitations on my relationships. Secondly, I can't do everything. There's a whole lot of places, a lot of things I'd like to do and like to try. I'd like to be good at everything. I'd like to be like Brother Spell, just good at everything. But I've learned that there are some limitations on my life. I can't do everything. I can't know everyone. I can't do everything. And thirdly, I can't go everywhere. There will always be limitations, and so I am going to be joyful in my limitations. Matter of fact, 99% of everything in life, I don't have to know about. So I just might as well be satisfied with whatever little percentage God gives me or the whatever little percentage God lets me know and understand my life within, its, within the framework and the perimeters that God has set. It's going to be very limited and yet find joy right here and yet find contentment right here and yet find my blessings right here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Learn how to be joyful even though some people may not like me. Some people may not appreciate me, Brother Marlar. Amen. E even though that I will not have opportunities that other people have. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you that if happiness and contentment is always somewhere out there in the future, it will always be postponed. It, it, it'll always be postponed, always in the undefined somewhere. I hope this is all right today. It's probably not conference preaching. Amen. You know, in this world, in this world, people that are, people that are born blonde, they want dark hair. And, uh, of course, after hearing Brother Marler talk the other day, if I was born blonde, I probably would too. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> and, and if... If they're born with dark hair, they want to bleach it blonde. 
And if, if they have straight hair, they want it to be curly. And if they have it curly, they want it to be straight. If they have light skin, they want their skin to be dark. If they have dark skin, they want it to be pale. And uh, I believe as Brother Spell brought it out at our church the other day, people go fishing. You, you look at the people uh, in the boats, and they're casting up close to the bank, getting as close to the bank as they can. People on the bank, guess where they're casting? They don't have a rod and reel strong enough to get it out there as far as they want it. Always trying to get it a little further. Amen. Young people, boy, I'll be so happy when I'm a senior. When I'm a, when I'm a senior, I'll be so happy. And then when they're a senior, I'll be so happy when I'm graduated. Well, while you're looking forward to that senior year, but just be thankful that you passed the grade you just passed. I'll be happy when I'm 21. I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I'm in college. I'll be happy when I graduate from college. And it's always elusive out there somewhere. You're, you're waiting for somehow some kind of special circumstances. And you catch up with it and you grasp it. And you live a Cinderella story the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, Cinderella stories do not happen in real life. There will always be the negative. There will always be problems. There will always always be situations that are undesirable and you have to be right where you are learn to be happy and to be thankful and to be grateful and have an overcoming testimony right where you are praise the Lord hallelujah the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way Every step, no, I hadn't reached the destination God has for me. But every step I take, he gets happy about it. So why can't I get happy about it? I might have a journey of a 1,000 miles to go. And I may have only gone two miles. And I've got 998 miles to go. But while I've still got 998 miles to go, I've come two miles. And I'm going to rejoice in this step right now. I took another step. I made a little progress. There was a little bit of accomplishment in this day, so I'm going to stand right here and rejoice in it. Everything God created when he created it. Amen. The world was not finished. Mankind was not walking around. Animals were not grazing on green grass. And yet God said it is good. It's the end of the day and the world is incomplete. And it is good. And what we've got to learn to do, a mark of maturity, is to look at incomplete achievements and say it is good. I did a little something today. I made a little step today. It was good preaching to Tonight. We had good church this Sunday. It was a good bow high conference. And no, we're not where we're going to be. But it is good. And we are thankful. Hallelujah. Praise God. Not there yet, but I'm learning how to celebrate my progress. Hallelujah. The horse leech has daughters that cry, Give. Give, no matter how much they get. They always want more. The blood thirsty always want more blood. The covetous never get rich enough. The leech never contributes. It always takes. No matter how much it gets, 
It always wants more. Sucks out the blood. Wants more. And I'm telling you that spirit and that attitude in us will drain the life and drain the energy out of a church. Hallelujah. It will drain the energy out of a pastor. It will drain the energy out of a worship leader. It will drain the life and the energy out of a pastor's wife. Take the life right out of worship. It'll take the life and the joy right out of anything that the church accomplishes. You're not doing enough. You're not giving me enough. You're not noticing me enough. You didn't recognize me enough. I'm not rewarded enough. Give, give, give. And life begins to seep out of everything good that the church is doing. But can I tell you if you change your attitude and say, Pastor, what can I give? I'm so blessed to have a pastor like what I have. I'm so grateful to have such a good church. I'm so blessed to be among God's people. I know some folks didn't like me, didn't recognize me, didn't shake my hand, but oh, I'm going to look on the good side just to be a doorkeeper in the house of God and to be a servant, let people go in and out and just get some of this anointing to splash over on me. It's better to dwell in the tents with the wicked. It's better just to be on the fringes of what God's doing than to be out there in the luxury of the evil. Praise God. Amen. First John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things. Neither the things that are in the world. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Two-thirds of what's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. The world is trying to create a desire in us for what we don't have and what we don't need. That's the whole object, objective of the world. Try to create a desire and a want in us for something that you don't have and you don't need but try to convince you that you do need what you don't have that's how you get overloaded with debt max out your credit cards get in an unnecessary financial strain the spirit of the world saying look at what you don't have don't you need it don't you need it? That, that's, that's, that's how your marriage gets in trouble. Look at what you don't have. Don't you need that? Don't you want that? That's why we start missing church. Working unnecessary overtime and misplacing our priorities. We start thinking that what we don't have is what we don't need. If I don't have it, it must be what I need. And that's why we raise spoiled children. Praise God. <laughs> I, I, won't get, I won't get on that. Praise the Lord. Mine's still four years old. Hallelujah. We get convinced that we need things that we really don't. As a young man, one day I was complaining and fussing. And my dad, I walked by him and I must have been grumbling out loud. He said, son, come here. I said, sir. He said, I've got a scripture I want you to read. When you get time, your busy schedule, I want you to read Deuteronomy 28 and 47. And so I said, yes, sir. 
and uh, I probably didn't have any intention of reading it, but it stuck in my mind. Somewhere later on that day, maybe later on that week, I'm not sure, Deuteronomy 28 and 47 wouldn't leave me. And so I finally went and got the Bible, and I found the verse, and it said, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. <laughs> said, you know what? <laughs> I need to start being thankful for the abundance. So I don't have I don't have what so and so have. I'm going to tell you we have abundance in living for God. You, you, it is not wise for us to compare ourselves with somebody else. Got to get the latest and the newest because that's what somebody else got. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we don't even realize that we're living with such abundance. And we've got to be joyful and grateful and thankful where we are or somewhere will come under the influence and come under the the hard yoke of iron of the enemy and hunger, want. You know what? I don't want to lose what I've got to learn to appreciate what I have. The elder brother stayed at the father's house all the time. And he had access to the fatted calf. The elder brother had access to everything that the father had. And yet he was dissatisfied, especially when somebody got happy about the backslider coming back. Especially when the prodigal got blessed beyond what he deserved. Ooh, you talk about get dissatisfied. You know, the scripture talks about how that, that, that there is, there's the 100 sheep that the shepherd has. The one is lost. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and searches for the one. And if he finds it, if he finds it, doesn't say when he found it. It says if he finds it, he brings it back. And that he rejoices more over the one that was lost than the 99 that stayed. You know, that don't sit too well with me. I stayed here the whole time. Never did backslide. Didn't do everything right. Hadn't been perfect. But at least I stayed in the fold. But you got to understand, if he finds it, he don't always find it. Matter of fact, most never make it back. If you've got backslidden loved ones, please don't give up hope. And, 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 and I'm not saying that. But I am saying, especially the young people that are here, people that are discouraged and down and people that, that uh, have had things go against you and Hey, I'm telling you, most don't make it back. You know why the shepherd rejoiced over the one that came back more over the 99 that stayed? is because most of them the wolf gets. The sheep, the sheep, they are defenseless when they get outside of the shepherd's presence. They have no way to defend themselves against the wild beast. And more times than not, when he goes out looking, they have been rent in pieces. All he finds is a bloody corpse and, and just a few bones scattered around by the time the wolf gets through with them. And that's why he rejoices. 
Amen. Let me go back to that. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. I'm going to tell you, God rejoices over me every day. So when the backslider comes back and when God blesses somebody that went out and they came back in, I don't need to look at them and, find, and, and feel like, well, they don't deserve it. Look at them. Here they are. There's a big deal made over them, and I've been here all this time, and nobody even knows who I am. I don't need to have that kind of an attitude. I'm telling you, every step I take, he delights in it. Every service I show up for, he delights in it. Every time I'm in the prayer room, every day I fast, every time I pick up my Bible, he delights in what I am doing doing in my spiritual disciplines every step delights my father praise God amen amen Lord I don't want to be dissatisfied in the light of somebody else's blessings Judges chapter number 17 and I'm winding on down to a close Judges chapter 17 there was a young man who was a Levite and the Bible said that he departed from Bethlehem Judah and here he was, a young man that had been trained in taking care of the sacred things that belonged to the house of God. A man who was born with an identity. A man who was born with a position. A man who was born with a place. A man who was born with a purpose. And yet the, the, the word of God finds him just drifting along. And it says that, that he, he left Bethlehem, Judah to sojourn where he could find a place just just drifting along looking looking for something better he was born with identity with purpose with a place and yet he's just trying to find a place he has a place but he's trying to find a place I'm just trying to find my place somebody hurt my feelings I'm trying to find my place he was born with an identity. And yet he's just drifting along. I'm telling you, you were born with purpose. If you have been born of the water and of the spirit, you have been born with purpose and you have an identity. There is no reason for you to drift out and drift back in. And drift with the backsliders and then drift with the saints. And drift with those who are cold or those who are lukewarm. Then drift back to the altar. Drift out somewhere in the, in, in, in the year and then drift back in conference time. No, no, no. I'm telling you, we were born with purpose. And yet he comes to a, 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 a fellow's name by the name of, of a, a fellow's house by the name of Micah. He comes to Mount Ephraim, and, and Micah is an idolater. Uh, Micah's mother, she is a profane uh, woman. And so Micah says, hey, hey. Man, you're a Levite. Dwell with me and, and be my priest. And so the Bible said that Micah had a house of gods. A house of gods, plural. A house of gods. He was born in a one God environment. He was born knowing who the true God is and who is to be worshipped. And yet he ends up through his drifting, aimless, wandering lifestyle in a house of God's. Amen. Micah says, well, why don't you dwell with me and, and be my priest? And, and i tell you what I'll do. I'll give you ten shekels. And I'll give you a suit of apparel and I, I'll feed you. How's that sound? Man, hey, 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 when you're just drifting along, pretty well any opportunity sounds pretty good. 
Man, that that sounds like a good deal to me. And the Levite was content to dwell with him. But he wasn't content too long. And so Micah consecrated the Levite. Here is an idolater consecrating a guy who knew the truth. And so one day the Danites were looking for their inheritance and they came through the land and they just so happened to stop by Micah's house and they found there, to their surprise, was a Levite who was his priest. And there were several images set up and they had, they had a nice little thing going. And so they came back through. After they had kind of cased out the place, they came back and they stole the images. And the priest just so happened to, to catch them. And he, he said, uh, what do ye? He didn't, you, you notice, he didn't believe in it enough to fight for it. He just wanted to know what they were doing. Just talk about it. But uh, they said, hey, tell you what, why don't you come with us? Is it better for thee to be a priest to the house of one man? Or be a priest unto a tribe. Man, we got a bigger and a better opportunity for you. And all of a sudden, man, this is a better deal. I've been stuck here in this, this little one-horse place. And I've been stuck here in this little one-family it's one family house of God. I tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go to where it's bigger and better things. Got a bigger opportunity. And so guess who he went with? He went with the better opportunity and the, the, the bigger advantage. You know what? I'm not looking for another opportunity. I'm not looking for something. I'm not just holding on to what I have till I get something bigger and better and hoping it comes along. I understand and I realize God has blessed me with a far better church than I ever deserve. If I, and, and maybe the Lord will try me on this. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I feel today is that if I were stuck in a little town with a storefront and three people, it's more than I deserve. And that if God would give me just a little place to labor for him and work for him and give me just a little voice and allow me to preach a little bit it's so much far beyond anything that I have ever been worthy of I'm not waiting on the bigger I'm not waiting on the big names I'm not waiting on another step to take up the ladder I'm telling you God has been good to me and right where I am I'm pastoring a far better church than I'm ever worthy of so I'm thankful today I've got far better saints than I ever deserved so I'm thankful today I'm preaching a much greater conference than I ever ought to be on its platform so I'm thankful today God has been good to me praise the Lord amen remain standing with me stand with me if you will I'm closing God has been good to all of us hallelujah the grass always looks greener through the fence. I believe it was Irma Bombeck that said, the grass always looks greener over the septic tank. Heard about a man that, that Brother Mallory wanted to go to Niagara so bad, heard about it, and uh, had read about it, and he was just enchanted with the idea of seeing Niagara Falls for himself. And so, I'm sure many of you have heard the story. He walked some 500 miles to go and to see 
Niagara Falls. Walked many, many days, step after step, trying to get there, excited about what he was going to see, believing it was going to be worth it when he finally beheld that great natural wonder. And so he got within just a few miles, maybe seven miles, five miles, what have you. And he passed by a house where a man was working on his roof, and he had noticed, he had, he had noticed that there was a roar in the distance he could hear, and he got more excited and picked up his pace. And when he, when he went by this man working on his roof, he called out to him. He said, Sir, that roar that I hear, if I could get somebody on the music, please. That roar that I hear, is that Niagara Falls? And the man stopped his work in just a moment and looked over at him like he was the dumbest thing he'd ever seen. He said, it might be. I've never been there. And here the man is. He's come so far just to see Niagara Falls. And somebody living within five or seven miles no big deal. Heard the roar, but never saw it for themselves. I'm going to tell you, I don't want God to pull somebody sitting on a bar stool today. It's a long way from God. A long way from God. Going to take them a long way. It's going to be a long journey to get there. And yet when they see it, and then when they behold it and when they get close enough to hear the sound they're going to be so thankful for what they have so excited about this truth and cherish it and appreciate it and treasure it and yet somebody like me that's been so close to it all of my life never fully appreciate what's within walking distance what's available what's here what I can reach out and get a hold of I'm going to tell you God's blessed us to be in a one God church God's blessed us to know the truth God's blessed us to have this heavenly treasure in earthen vessels and I'm thankful for it today aren't you let's lift our hands and thank God for his goodness today Let's really lift our hands, lift our voices together. Thank God for His Word here.